It's upfront and it's candid. This is Unrestricted. Hey, everybody, it's Unrestricted. What's going on? It's Ben Lieber. Good to have you guys back. This week, I've got State Senator Carla Bigham. Carla is the state representative and the state senator for District 54, which represents Cottage Grove, South St. Paul, and Hastings. It was such an honor. She's my first guest to actually contact me. Oh, I feel so special. She actually went into this in the podcast saying her older brother actually recommended and suggested that she reach out to me to get on my podcast and thought, hey, what she's doing uh, for the politics and, and the legislature and the the government of Minnesota, what she's doing right now, maybe the people on, uh, on Ben's podcast uh, would like to hear that. And I said, absolutely, um, would love to have you on. So sat down with Senator Bigham. And we talked about a myriad of topics, uh, a lot of things that were uh, kind of in the news right now in the state of Minnesota. First and foremost, she is co-authoring a bill for sports betting. Yes, once again, we're trying to get sports betting legalized in the great state of Minnesota. Uh, We are falling so far behind watching all the other states around the country legalize it. Uh, and support it, and yet Minnesota is falling behind and not doing it and dragging their feet. So we get into kind of the hows and whys, um, why it makes sense for the state, what's put in place as far as protections for for every industry that's involved and for all the people as well. So that's first and foremost. That's pretty much why she reached out to me. But uh, in the beginning, we kind of hit some some more topical things. State budget came out, Governor Walls uh, had something, uh, an idea and a proposal from last December about where we are from a budget. Then all of a sudden the federal government stepped up and said, all right, every state's going to get this relief package from the, the COVID stimulus bill. And now all of a sudden we see this $3 billion swing and in, now into a budget surplus. So we talk about just from her perspective, uh, where she thinks the the budgetary issues are going to go for the state of Minnesota for the next two years. And also, uh, I think really important for the listeners right now, what's happening with the PPP loans? And for everybody that had to, had to use those services and those funds, are we going to be the only state in the Midwest region to actually tax that as income tax? Uh, I kind of get her thoughts on that because um, – that's a big deal. No other state around us is actually taxing that as income tax. Uh, it seems like a little bit of a punishment for having to use federal money and state money that is really out of your control. And um, it wasn't their fault as a business owner that that everything got shut down. And also we talk about where are we at with the legalization of medical cannabis, uh, not medical cannabis, regular cannabis, legalization of, of marijuana. We already have medical cannabis, but we do talk about the legalization of adding the flower into the, the products for medical cannabis. Because right now, the state of Minnesota allows medical cannabis. They do not allow the use of the, the raw flower, and that would save a lot of, uh, of money to the consumer and the cost to the consumer. So we go down that road as well. So a lot we talked about with Senator Bigham. Uh, I appreciate her time, uh, and she was awesome here on Unrestricted. Well, this is such a treat, and I, and I say that because, Senator Carla Bigham, you are the first person 
to ever reach out to me <laughs> about being on my podcast. And then you know you made it, Ben. You know I you made know. it when people are reaching out to you. I have made especially <laughs> you, especially somebody that's a, you know, a, a, a well-known politician in the state that's actually doing something, reaching out to me um, to talk and to hang out. So it's such a pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. We have a lot of shared uh, uh, topics, I think, especially that your viewers will be, in, listeners will be uh, interested in hearing about. So Yeah. So let's get the particulars out of the way. Sure. You do represent uh, District 54, correct? correct? Yep. So that's Cottage Grove. That's my hometown. And mm-hmm. then uh, it has South St. Paul, St. Paul Park, Newport, Afton, Great Cloud Island Township, Denmark Township, all the way down to Hastings um, and Ninninger. So it's it's quite a geographic district. Yeah. And you've been in politics for how many years total? Uh, well, a lot, actually. Um, I was first appointed um, to a community advisory panel when I was like 23. And then I was elected to city council of Cottage Grove at 25. Two years later, I was in the House at 27 for four years. I retired because I was getting old at that point, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you guys I are got, like professional athletes or right, what? Right, right, right. Uh, and I um, got married, got my master's degree. Then I decided to run for the Washington County Board. And then uh, in my final year, there was a special election for the Senate. Uh, and I ran and won for that and then we just reelected this last election. So you're kind of a lifer. Yeah, yeah. We, we might we might say, uh, you know, I'm, I think uh, it's – really humbling work. And it's, it's never the same, just like with, with you in, in your profession. Um, you know, no game plan is the same, uh, yeah. no sessions, the same, no elections, the same. So it's always interesting. Well, what brought you into politics in the first place? Well, I know a lot of things kind of start slowly and maybe just, Hey, I'll, I'll scratch this itch or let me go see what this is about. And then it kind of grows from there. Sure. Um, my dad was uh, the captain of the fire department in Cottage Grove when I was growing up. And then when he retired, my brother took over and we just have always had this commitment to our community and giving back and making it better. Uh, it was just put into us like, hey, you've got to make this place better than you have. And so um, that's really what got me into it. And it's just an honor to represent your hometown, you know. And I think it it's easier because you've been there, you've done that, you know that. And we have struggles. You know, we have pollution in our water from 3M. We've got a strike going on at the refinery right now. Um, you know, with the Teamsters and, and the company. And, and we have we have a lot of issues going on, and, and I'm involved in all of them and, and just really trying to get some resolution and meet the needs of the residents in the community. You know what I'm always fascinated about with politicians is um, the, the breadth of knowledge that you have to know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's – I know that it's, you're a big sports fan, so yes. you're, you're just paying attention to sports too. Yes. And, I, and I know that, you know, with the Vikings Stadium, all the politicians sort of had to, had to become aware of the finances mm-hmm. involved with football just to get to know the, you know, the NFL game and how it works from the business side. So you have, you have sports. You mentioned 3M. So yep. now you have to know industry, yep. uh, agriculture, mm-hmm. um, environment with, with the veterans. water system. Veterans. Veterans. Yeah. Um, you know, even in kind of everything in between. Yeah. I mean, how how do you go about your day just sort of even keeping tabs on all, all of it? It seems like you have to read the paper really front <laughs> to back in every section. Yeah, you do. But you also have incredible staff. You don't do it alone. I mean, just like 
again, not to keep comparing it to, to you and your, your profession, but like you have trainers, right? You have coordinators, right? I mean, these are, these are, are folks that um, are subject matter experts. You have the departments, you have commissioners, um, but more important, hearing from constituents and, and any issues that they have or, or thoughts that they want to bring forward. That's key. I mean, it's having the town halls, Ben. It's having the, um, the, the wherewithal to be out in your community um, to listen to folks at community events um, and, and really just engaging and listening to where they are and, and their needs. And, I mean, I know we'll go get into some of this, but, like, right now everything about um, – the PPP, the vaccine, the PPP loans and tax relief for that, the vaccines, all of that is like front and center on people's minds. Yeah. And uh, and that's because, you know, you now in a virtual kind of thing, you, it's more email and phone calls. But still, when I'm masked up, of course, and in high V, I get <laughs> I get asked about that or um, and people want to know. And they and that's that's key. And that's what you got to do. And that's how you stay in tune is listening. Mm-hmm. And how big of a difference and how many times have you maybe read a topic, uh, whether it's a, a newspaper article or some other some other um, periodical or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may form an opinion about that. And then you go out and actually talk to the people that are involved. And, and maybe it completely changes your, your thinking just because you're, you're having this one-on-one interaction and you can actually see and feel the emotions that are behind some of those words. Does that happen a lot? Where, a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, because you, you'll, the media has a job, a very integral and important job, vital job for us to do ours because they're holding us accountable, but they're also reporting um, the news. And mm-hmm. and so we have to react to that. And, um, you know, when there's natural disasters, we, we you know, we've got to go down there to make sure we're meeting the needs of, of protecting uh you know, communities, but also helping them rebuild uh, mm-hmm. and different things like that. And and you may not see something until you put boots on the ground and, and are walking around seeing it. Um, you know, I'll never forget uh, touring the um, 35W bridge when it collapsed. Oh, yeah. um, it's it's a vision that you don't you don't um, forget. And also uh, after the riots in last summer, um, seeing the devastation, it's it's heartbreaking. And so you you have to listen to the small business owners, the community leaders, the local your local partners um, in meeting their needs. So I mean that's really what it came comes down to um, when making decisions about legislation is listening to the constituents and the, and the leaders and the people directly involved. Yeah, yeah, I, I find it so fascinating. I mean, I I certainly don't want to do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll put that out there right now. Uh, I think a former it, colleague of yours does. I think a former colleague of mine does want to. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what decision he makes. But yeah, um, yeah it just it, it seems so all encompassing, yeah. you know. And then and then there's that idea, and maybe it's not as bad as I think. But the perception is there's so much digging into your personal life and so much yeah. digging into your private life that. I just find it really hard for me as a father of three, um, you know, happily married to like get my because it's not just about me. You know, when you go into politics or anything like this, any sort of public service like that, um, the vetting out process, I think, can be brutal. Yeah. And it's and and and, and it sucks because I think we all we all have, I think, a calling for civic duty, no matter what it is, whether it's a youth coach or something like that, just to give back to your community. But your your job and politicians jobs that are making real policy to affect real change for the present and the future comes with such, um, I think, a roadblock because of 
the idea that you're going to get into it and it's going to be messy on the front part of it. Yeah, and it definitely has gotten worse <laughs> from when I started um, due to social media and due to um, just that digital um, evolution, if you will, on, on things. But, um, you know, I think politicians expect it. I think our families, um, you know, it. I'd be remiss to say that my mom doesn't get mad when, when she heard and saw, you know, radio ads or TV ads about her daughter. Uh, you know, it, it, negative ones. Uh, it's not it's not fun. Um, but I, I think you sign up for that. The family doesn't. And they yeah. have that expectation of privacy. And, um, you know, I think that comes down to um, really having to have patience. Like my husband is a saint when it comes to that, um, trying to get through a grocery store or through a restaurant sometimes uh, or through a community event. Um, you know, it, it takes longer. Because yeah. I have a, a job to do and that's to listen and they and, and it takes longer. So you And you're adjust. never gonna please everybody. No. That's the that's the thing I think is is the hardest part is it's every decision you make is polarizing. Sure, but it's how you treat people. And that's what they remember, Ben. You yeah. know, Maya Angelo has a wonderful quote that I try to live by is they'll forget what you did, they'll forget what you said, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. That's true. And, yeah. And and with politicians, that's what I wish people would focus on is that I called them back. Right. Mm -hmm. That I emailed them back, that I took the time to listen to them. Um, you know, even Republicans give me credit. I'm a Democrat. They, they give me credit when I call them back, even though I, I don't agree with them. And it's not like I'm 100 percent opposed to them, but mm -hmm. I, I just don't um, I don't agree 100 percent of time with them. You know, I'm going to work with them when I can. And, and when I can't, I'm going to because it's not good for my district then I'm not gonna. And you just have to do it respectfully. Yeah. But but constituents, you they they remember how you made them feel and that you showed up. And yeah. it, you showed up when it mattered and you listened and you helped them. How difficult is it? And maybe it's not difficult at all. But when when a, a, a fellow uh, congressperson in the Senate or, or a House representative comes up with an idea or proposal and they're, they're from the other side of the aisle. Sure. In this case, they're a Republican. Sure. How... What is what is your the mental gymnastics of being like, hey, I got to keep an open mind here. Like I know this person represents the other party, yeah. but I have to be receptive to maybe there's an openness and maybe there's a compromise that I can with, – without shutting them out and saying like, whatever. Yeah. This is just bullshit. I'm not going to listen. Like I know yeah. I know exactly where they're going and I just feel like there's – there's is there true civ uh, civility in, in the discussion and dialogue? I, I think the answer to that is with some of them. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think there are certain ones like I'm really upset about um, the proposal to basically jail transgender um, kids. Uh, if, if, and there's if a they proposal into, to jail them if they go into a locker room, and um, that is hateful, hurtful, insulting. Mm -hmm. And I don't have time or tolerance for that. And it's never going to become law. So you're just you're just hurting mm -hmm. kids, and mm -hmm. it's it's uncalled for and inappropriate. Then you have a situation like Governor Walls and and uh, Paul Gazelka, the majority leader, who's a Republican in the Senate, and then Melissa Hortman, who's a Democrat speaker in the House. And we have a budget to do, Ben. And that's yeah. our number one job right now is to pass a budget. Now, they're not all going to agree. And the budget we passed two years ago was not perfect. It was not one that I, if I was in charge, I would have written. But you know what? I'm not there to obstruct. I'm there to get shit done. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I voted for it. And were there things in there that I didn't like? Absolutely. 
I did not like certain things in, in pretty much each of the bills. There was a little something in there. I would have been like, oh, man, I don't like that. But we are expected to do our job. And so we have a divided government. That budget reflected that divided government. And you know what? We still have a divided government, only state in the nation that has a divided legislature. And this upcoming budget is going to reflect that. And so um, I predict that um, we're going to get some good stuff done. But, you know, nothing transformational because of the fact we have a divided government. And we're going to go into redistricting next year and we're going to have an election next year and then we'll see what the voters say. Yeah. Well, let's start there then because that is such a big topic. And I know that, you know, you reached out specifically about sports betting and and the gambling bill that's that's being proposed. Um, So we'll get into that. But you bring up the the budget that's that's been in the news. Um, There was an estimated but budget in December. Mm -hmm. The federal government came out and said, oh, yep, here's here's this injection of money that that we think is going to pass. And if you get it. It'll be it'll be like something that you can tap into in July ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so now all of a sudden there's a three billion dollar swing from mm-hmm. a, a budget deficit for the next two years into now a budget surplus. Mm-hmm. How does all how, how does that ultimately change the way you look at the budget? Given the fact that this is a short term injection of money that's not meant to be necessarily sustainable. And it's not a sustainable revenue model. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we call it um, – so it's a, a $1.6 billion positive balance. Uh, and a lot of that is one-time money. And a lot of that doesn't include inflation on the spending. So the ongoing cost. So um, that's good news that we have a positive balance. Nobody would say that. But you really do have to be cautious. And one-time money does not mean you can fund ongoing programs. You can't use one-time money to – um, fund, uh, you know, the education formula, the per people formula that right. we use. Um, and so you really have to look at how best would this money um, be useful um, for folks. And so that's what we're going to start doing now. Uh, we have our first committee deadline next Friday. Our second committee deadline is the following week. So that means within the next two weeks, all policy bills will have to be through both the House and the Senate. Third deadline is where all of our omnibus um, bills, which um, kind of sometimes is not a positive word because they stick a bunch of bills together and tell us to vote on them. And we could do a whole podcast on that one. Yeah, but, um, yeah. you know, so so we're going to hopefully have um, some conference committees. And conference committees are where, um, t- to go back to Schoolhouse Rock, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, the House passes a bill, the Senate passes a bill. And when they don't match up, you've got to go to a conference committee and agree. And then they again have to both pass the House and the Senate identically to go to the governor for a decision. And so hopefully we get back to that. Lately, that has not been the case. There has been a lot of um, uh, trifecta where it's the governor, the speaker, and the majority leader in the Senate um, because the rank and file and the chairs and everybody like that um, really can't close the deal as far as agreeing um, because we're a divided government. And that's that's wrong. And so I'm I'm hoping – that we can have some conference committees be more transparent process for for Minnesotans, um, and we'll be able to get some good stuff done. So that's kind of the process we're beginning now, and we'll we'll deal with that. And then um, currently, the in in Washington D.C. in the federal government, they are debating um, a 1.9 trillion dollar package for COVID, and it includes money for vaccines, includes school money for schools, it includes money for um, 
individuals, uh, that much like the last two times um, to a certain uh, income level. Mm-hmm. And um, it also has money for the state. <laughs> and that's great because we could use that. And so um, we will have to include that in any sort of budget proposal. But it's nice that we will hopefully be getting it here in you know this month. We'll get the money. Uh, I'm hoping that there's more money in there for transportation infrastructure um, and different things like that. That will stimulate jobs. That will stimulate sure. our economy. Um, and of course, um, the number one, you know, top priorities are small businesses. They are the lifeline uh, to our community. That not only for providing jobs, but man, do they really support our community. Right. Um, and so we've got to make sure they keep their doors open and their employees there. Um, and you know, it has money for getting vaccines out. Um, and I think that that's helpful as well. So between what we're doing in the state and the feds, um, I'm hoping that you know we're going to get done on time with a balanced budget. And the state has to have a balanced budget. Feds don't. They can just print money like yeah, they always yeah, do. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, a whole other podcast. Man, start writing these down, Ben. We've I got know. some topics. <laughs> hey, everybody. I apologize. I have to interrupt this great conversation, but it's for a good reason. I got to thank my sponsors. So I want to start off with Douglas and Todd Bourbon. Thank you, Douglas and Todd. You guys have been phenomenal supporting me in everything that I've been doing. It's an award-winning bourbon made right here in Minnesota. It's distilled in Osakis. It's bottled in Princeton. It's sold nationwide. That's right. This is a national brand that's killing it. And they won a gold medal at the World Spirits Competition in San Francisco a couple years ago, paired up against some of the best bourbons in the world, and they took home a gold medal. So take that, you Kentucky bourbons. Douglas and Todd Bourbon. It's douglasandtodd.com. Go check them out. There's a store locator tab in the upper right-hand corner. So if you say, hey, where can I get my hands on this Douglas and Todd Bourbon? And it doesn't have to be just in Minnesota. Hey, if I live in Texas and I'm listening to this podcast and I want to find some Douglas and Todd Go to that store locator at douglasandtodd.com. Figure out where you can find your Douglas and Todd locally and pick yourself up a bottle or a case or a few cases. So you'll have to uh, you'll have to trust me on this. It's some of the best bourbon you'll ever have. So thank you, Douglas and Todd. I also want to thank Wexford Harbor Insurance and my good buddy over there, Pat Kelly and his staff, for helping me out. I didn't know insurance could be... Hmm, so customized. Maybe that's the right word. I was always with a big box insurance company, saw their ads on TV, got a recommendation from a friend, uh, insurance, some insurance, it's all the same, right? Well, I couldn't have been more wrong. I sat down with Pat. He explained to me for for what I need with my, my home, my cars, uh, umbrella insurance, the coverage I need for my family, for a lifestyle. I didn't know it could be drilled down into such a customizable package and really found the best fit for me. And he does that because he's an, a wholesale insurance broker, meaning that He's not bound by some of these big box retailers. He can go out and shop for you. So he's going to go out and shop 40 different insurance companies, find the best fit for us, tweak it, mold it into something that we're comfortable with, and then find us the best value for me and my family. So I got to thank Pat Kelly and his staff at Wexford Harbor Insurance. It's wexford-harbor.com, and you can even use slash unrestricted to go to a certain page. So thank you, Pat Kelly and your staff at Wexford Harbor Insurance. So the the obvious thing to me is this is a this is a, a COVID relief stimulus bill and a one-time injection of money to every state. Shouldn't that money just really be earmarked for everything that was associated with with COVID and everything that was associated to the shutdowns and every business and person and entity 
that could not make a living wage this last these last 12 months. Isn't that sort of just like this is where we have to start? Like we, we can't let's start and take care of that first because we kind of have to get that from we have to get that back to a net zero at least. Because doesn't that just seem fair that that's 50% of our, our job losses were in the hospitality business. Correct. Like that money should go right to those restaurants, those small businesses, those those workers, the supply chains, the, yeah. the, the truck drivers that had to get all the supplies and everybody down the line. We got to make sure that we kind of make make it right with them. Is yeah. that – is yeah. that fair? Yeah, and I think that that's um, where you know this stimulus package is um, a relief package. It's not a stimulus package. It's correct. A relief yeah, package. relief package. Um, yeah, is targeting that, and and the ones that we've done in the past in the state have been that have have been that way. In December, um, the bill that we passed was directly related to um, the hospitality industry, the movie theater industry, um, and making sure that. Um, they their employees and their businesses were taken care of, and that's that's really what it should be about. I mean, these big corporations will be fine. I mean, there's just stories about Target. I mean, having just a banner year, right? And sure. I can't even imagine what Jeff Bezos, you know, yeah. with um with Amazon is it's just insane. And so, um, I also think we have to look at broadband as a huge investment uh, across the state, border to border. Um, and that's for education. It's for telemedicine um, and and telehealth and also for businesses, agriculture. All of this is key. And I don't like Zoom any more than the next person, but it's not going away. And, mm-hmm. and dang it, we didn't think of it. But that's, again, another story. But it's um, it's not going away. I could tell you that um, in the legislature, it's been really nice to have people from uh, Duluth or Kuchichin County or Redwood Falls, not having to drive all the way into St. Paul to testify on a bill. Yeah, I mean, th- th- you're allowing more people to be involved and have a voice. So we're not going away with this. So we do have to also rebuild an uh, in in economy and, and a society that works for everybody because the way it was wasn't working for everybody. Right. Um, and, and so we have to be mindful of that as well. Yeah, and I think that to take that a step further, if I'm not mistaken, St. Paul schools just announced that they're basically going to get away, do away with snow days. You know, because yeah, of absolutely because of this, the the advent of um, the new normal is Zoom calls and distance learning. That hey, when we get back to normal in school learning, yeah. if we have 12 inches of snow dropped on us, guess what? We're just going to flip on your yep. your devices, and you're still going to go to school that day. Yep. We have to be forward thinking in that in that regard. That not just the St. Paul schools, but every community in the state yep. can have that option if they want. Right. Because that, that is where it's going. And it breaks my heart. Listen, I, we're lucky. Like my kids go to a private school in Edina and, uh, and they've been going to school, and, but they still have distance learning built in. I see the challenges and I see my first grader falling behind in reading because he hasn't been always in school and it hasn't been consistent. And he has had to do a fair, fair amount of, of distance learning because of contact tracing and, and whatnot. Um, and I see him fall behind and we have resources and we do spend time with him. There are thousands and thousands of kids um, all over the state that don't have those options. They don't have Internet. Right. They don't have it. They don't have a mm-hmm. tablet or an iPad or mm-hmm. a, a Microsoft Surface. They don't Absolutely. have that information. And and it worries me that I'm watching these kids um, in just a few short months of not having consistent tutoring at, at, at the school or, or the hands-on approach falling behind. Mm-hmm. 
And we can't let that happen. Nope. It, it doesn't matter if it's another pandemic or what it is, but like get these kids up to speed to where they can have the most resources they can, no and, matter where they live. And that's why I support Governor Walz's proposal to fund uh, summer school and give the give funding to uh, the public schools to make sure that they have the resources to provide summer school at a level that they haven't in the past to mm-hmm. try and close that achievement gap. But it's also more than that, right? It's about properly funding um, you know, our public schools, and it's about making sure that um, we're closing achievement gaps and targeting resources um, to to um, groups that that um, don't have that kind of funding, so that we can make sure that everybody, every child, has the tools available to thrive. Right, right. Um, is this something that is when you talk about this COVID relief bill? Mm-hmm. And yes, number one priority is kind of kind of. Getting back every every industry that was affected this last these last twelve months because of the shutdowns and the and the pandemic. Let's get them right. Is that shared across the aisle? Is that is that is that is that partisan? Like, is is there be pretty much an agreement that like when we look at this budget, yeah. we do and we and we look at this relief bill and the stimulus package that's coming in. That's that's kind of non negotiable, right? Or is it getting pushed back on like how to how to use that money from? From the right and the left. Well, I think the federal level, it was, I mean, the vice president had to cast a tie-breaking vote. So obviously, no, on the federal level, it doesn't. But in Minnesota, um, this upcoming week, we are going to be um, debating and passing a tax bill that um, deals with um, not having taxes for um, folks that took the PPP loan Mm -hmm. and also uh, unemployment. Uh, There's a cap on it. And so um, I don't want to get into too much of the details because on the floor it could change and I don't want your listeners to get all confused. Like, wait, I thought she said it was this, but they meant it. Yeah, so it gets a little messy. But the crux of it is it's a it's a tax bill that is going to make sure that people aren't going to be paying taxes, just like the federal government said and intended to not um, right. pay taxes on PPP. And we also want to make sure those workers are taken care of. And so um, that will pass with bipartisan support um, because um, folks that – that took those loans out that would have to count that as income, uh, it, it could be a big problem uh, yeah. for, for them to have to then take out, you know, um, line of credit against their mortgage or something like that just right. to keep the, the doors open. And that money was there to make sure they didn't lay off employees, that they kept their doors open. But it's also very important that the workers um, that that had unemployment, that they don't also pay um, taxes on, on their assistance for being unemployed for no reason of no fault of their yeah, own. Yeah, no fault of their own. I think that's – and that's why I'm like, this money's there. Let's just, let's make it right. Yeah. Um, let's make it right. It's not their fault that we yeah. had a pandemic. It's not their fault yeah. that um, that we had to shut down. They didn't do anything to jeopardize and compromise their own business. This was something that was passed down from the top down by Big Correct. Brother. And so let's, let's have the state government take care. And so I, when I was reading up on this, I, I just couldn't believe – I'm like, well, this seems like a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Like why would this – you need a, you need this money to keep your doors open. You need this money so people can pay their bills because the state shut us down. Why do I not have to pay taxes on it? It seems counterintuitive. Like, well, then don't give me the money. And like, I don't want to pay taxes on this money. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's like the, you're, you're the, just making me – I'm getting punished for it down the road. Maybe it's a short-term relief, but then like, what, now in April I got to pay my taxes, which I can't afford because my business is not open. Right. And I mean, and you just very eloquently explain what would happen. And so, I mean, I, I think it's it's about continuity and stability for our businesses and our workers. And, yeah. and now um, – 
well, hopefully we get it done before everybody has to close on taxes in April. But, you know, that, that might be the next battle. But um, And I'm hoping it is so that you don't have to refile. If you're a business, you don't have to refile and um, amend your tax filing because that's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is kind of a great segue into into what we're really here for, and that's the the sports betting or yes. sports gambling bill that you've co-authored. I mean, yep. that we're talking about budgets, yes. and we're talking about how can the state provide and and generate more revenue on a consistent basis. Sure. Again, the no brainer, and and you're it sounds like you're a fan of of KFAN radio yep. station and the Power Trip Morning Show, yep. and they openly talk about uh, betting all the time. And it sounds like you're an advocate for for it too. Like that to me seems like a no-brainer. Let's follow suit finally with all the other states around us that are allowing sports betting. That's easy revenue, right? Absolutely. And and um, before we go down this, I just want to give credit where credit is due. So my big brother said, hey, you know who would probably be interested in hearing about sports sports wagering? Is Ben Liebert's new podcast. You should reach out to him. So, <laughs> well, um, thank, because thank you to him. Because <laughs> you, your audience would probably, you know, this is right up your audience's agenda here is, is to talk about this. So, yeah, um, it's time. It is time for Minnesota to legalize sports wagering. It happens all the time, um, you know, in the black market. And uh, we need to put some consumer protections around it. And if the state makes a buck or two doing it, so be it. Good for us. And people are sick and tired of driving to Iowa to bet on this, uh, bet on sports. And, you know, the um, PGA Tour is starting. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, think of all the people. March mm-hmm. Madness. I mean, March Madness, We're going to yeah. be starting. And, and even in this COVID time, to have the remote option for sports wagering would be even better. And last, uh, in December, Iowa had a $105 million handle. I mean, it's just insane. And so – People want to do this. Uh, it's entertaining. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's people that it can develop into a problem with. Um, but we have provisions in the bill for that. We put we dedicate resources towards problem gambling. Uh, and also we put on there where you can add yourself to a list. So maybe um, if you're Kirk Cousins, you're going to have to put yourself on a list to make sure maybe that's what the Vikings will require for integrity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of, of, of issues there that, that folks can, can – do to help on that side of it. But at the end of the day, this is this is done flagrantly. I do it. I'm in yeah. numerous fantasy football leagues. I'm the only Democrat in an all-women's Republican uh, fantasy <laughs> league. They said we'd rather have the Democrat than the Packer fan. Uh, well, so how do you do? <laughs> I do all right, but the, I tell uh, you yeah. what, I tell you what, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get burned for saying this, but you know who does damn well? Who? Karen Housley. Really? Yeah, I think Phil may help. Um, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> actually, no, I don't. She's actually really smart with the sports stuff. And it's it's unbelievable, but um, she's won all but like two seasons. Uh, so two or three seasons, and we've been doing it for a while. So, um, and I'm going to get a lot of crap for that. But it's um, it's it, it's done flagrantly, and, and we shouldn't criminalize it. It's not enforced. Um, adults can make these decisions on their on their own. So... Essentially, what the bill does is it allows on-site sports wagering at casinos and at the racetrack. And then after a year, um, it allows remote through the the casinos. So the racetracks, you wouldn't be able to do remote. My rationale for that is, well, you go to a racetrack to see a race. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're there for the ambiance of the race. You don't need to do remote. Um, And then it, it taxes it at two different rates. 
Um, and the, the other thing I put one half of 1% of the revenue that we would get from the state into um, problem gambling. So I, I think I pretty much have covered everything in it. Um, we've got to make sure there's integrity put in it. You know, you don't want people betting on an injury. You don't want people, uh, you want to make sure that it's criminal to throw a game and to make sure that people who may have knowledge would not be able to bet on it. You got to have integrity because you don't want professional sports to to um, be impacted by this. Um, but yeah, I mean, 27 um, states, territories. So it's 25 states plus Puerto Rico and D.C. all authorize it. And um Iowa's done it, now South Dakota. If Wisconsin beats us, I don't know what I'm going to think. <laughs> like, it's just not going to be okay. Yeah. So um, we got to do this. And the market's demanding it. The market is demanding it, is. it. So you've got these social networks right now that that they can do all of this for and um, it set it up for, for groups to do the sports waging. It's offshores. Now you can do it offshore. And got to bring that home, got to put some consumer protections in it and legalize it. The thing that drives me crazy is I understand as from a state level and and with anything, you know, if if you're the you're going to be the first kid to jump off the cliff right. into the water, it's scary, right? So yeah. the first states that and that end up doing it, I'm sure all the other states now kind of learned right from wrong what to do, what not to do, um, kind of where to jump, so to speak. But now there's precedence set. Correct. There's a lot of precedence. There's a lot of research and resources and education that's out there that as a state, you can look at all these other 27 entities and states and say, I like what this state's doing. Mm -hmm. Let's build it with this state and that state. Let's take pieces of – the way you started out, I think, kind of expresses everybody's feeling. You said it's about time. And and it's it's this exasperated like – my goodness, mm-hmm. what else do we have to do to finally get in lockstep with the rest of the country? That right. it's not an evil thing. No. It is not like the stock market is gambling. Right. You know, if we're worried, if we're so worried that people are going to pick up a gambling habit, well, then we got to monitor them on what they do with their stocks and how they invest their money because that's legalized gambling. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Okay. Now, it's, it's not, it's we'll not too- GameStop. Game look at game. Look at the game. Look <laughs> yeah. at the Robin Hood yeah. stuff, right? I mean, people right. people lost their shirts because they got excited. They got they got involved yep. and they got ballsy yeah. and they and they got careless. I mean, look at how many people bet against Tom Brady last month. Uh, right, right. <laughs> so again, it seems like it's all right there for the taking. Right. So again, what is the pushback? Uh, you know, it's um, people just don't want to do the expansion of gambling, uh, you know, certain. And that's that's actually uh, a shared belief on on both sides of the aisle. Um, but I think people are, are understanding that. Why do they feel like it's the boogie monster? Because I think they feel people would do too much and then they would lose their home and all this other stuff. But it's already happening now. It already happens. Yeah, it like, just happens underground, and you yeah, just don't and, know. And about in it. a worse situation, because you know, uh, you don't know who you're dealing with if right. you're if you're making some serious bets. Um, and I'm not saying any of the power trip guys, but, <laughs> <laughs> but if those you're are just some, dumb bets. Yeah. <laughs> if you're making if you're making some serious bets and it's not legal, you're doing that with some people that you may you may not know uh, what's up and what's coming at you. So I mean, you really do have to 
to think about that as well. So shining some light on it, bringing it from the black market, let's put some protections around it and, and let's legalize it. And like I said, if the state makes a buck or two, great, good for us. The, the thing that, that from a perspective standpoint that, that drives me crazy as mm-hmm. an adult is that I don't need the state holding my hand and telling me what I can and can't do. Correct. From that regard. Yep. It's my I, and and this is a this is a maybe a, a larger opinion of, across what's kind of happened in the last twelve mm-hmm. months. I think we've taken this 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 personal accountability piece of it, and we said we don't trust you. Mm-hmm. You're not educated enough. You're not this enough. We don't trust you, so we're going to control your life. And I don't think that me personally, I don't think that that's right. When it comes to sports gambling. Make it available for the 95% of the people right. that want it. Right. We make policy for 5% of people. Correct. We are making policy and letting the weight of 5%, even though it may be negative, yeah. and even though there may be some protections and stipulations put in there, but we consistently make policy and let that drive, the, the small minority drives policy, and that drives me crazy. Well, it's they're sin taxes. I call them sin taxes. And if you don't nobody forces you to sports bet. Nobody forces you to smoke weed or 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 right. eat gummies we're not forcing or, people to do this. Or buy fireworks. Um but yet um we're not the, we're make criminals out of all of those um you know behaviors. So uh I mean I think the other obstacles that we have with sports wagering um you know we only have casinos um on on sovereign nations. Um, with our um, uh, native partners, and and I think that um, you know we have to respect that and their role in this with the utmost respect and integrity. And then we also have the racetracks, <laughs> and so we kind of have three issues where you got to bring everybody together. Um, mm-hmm. And so it it's it's not as easy um, as some people think, but it it shouldn't be this difficult, and it. Sure as heck should not um, cause have caused us to be hopefully number twenty eight. Uh, we should have done this a long time ago. But um, so I think when we can get some movement on on those three stakeholders um, between folks that don't want to expand gambling, um, our tribal partners and our racetrack partners, I think you'll see some movement. I think everybody's understanding the markets driving it that yeah. way, and that there is. A business partnership. Now, ultimately, I would hope that this bill, um, and this is where I'm working with my friends across the aisle and and really just trying to make as many business partnerships as I possibly can in this bill, getting government out of it. But for example, if um, the Vikings wanted to have a kiosk at U.S. Bank Stadium, you know, allow for that partnership, say, with, you know, Prairie Island uh, or uh, Mystic Lake, Um Grand Casino, you know, they could partner with them. And and same, honestly, with the racetracks. You know, we can put it put it in the bill that the only um, true on-site area would be a casino or the racetrack if there's a partnership with a casino. Um, you know, maybe Buffalo Wild Wings wants to partner with, um, you know, Mystic Lake or Grand Casino or Treasure Island to have a kiosk. I mean, let's not prohibit the partnerships. Let's let business and the market determine it. And and you know let's let's see what those partners can do and and so as soon as we can get some agreement around that I think you'll see this go. Um, right now, currently, I think all of them are looking at the business analytics. They're bringing it to their business folks and saying, "Run this bill, run the models. What would we forecast for overhead for capital expenses? What do you think uh, you know approximate revenue would be?" 
and can we make this work? And I think when all that happens, they're going to say, yeah, because yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of the 27 states that have lost money <laughs> Correct. Yeah. from this. Um, so anybody that would say this isn't a business smart to do, I, I, I would question what numbers you're looking at. Um, when Iowa um, can make a $105 million handle uh, in one month, and a lot of that, you go down to Diamond Joe's, um, you could see it's almost all mini Minnesota license Please, yeah. plates. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that this year or next we can, we can get this across the line. I'm hoping that there's an upcoming hearing. We have deadlines the next two weeks, as I said, that maybe we'll get a hearing on, on either my bill or Roger Chamberlain's bill. And we'll see um, if we can't kind of merge the two of them um, and and get something done. Um, so I, I think as soon as it starts going in one of the bodies, you're going to see things move quickly. The the tribal nations, I'm I'm all for clearly respecting their their territory and what they have going on there. Yeah. The bill that you guys are proposing is is there options to build out sports betting outside of the the reservations? No. 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 Um, so, well, with the exception, my bill has on-site for the racetracks. Correct. So that's technically off-reservation gaming, okay. which they would not support. Um, so I'm trying to figure out a business way of how, how the, the racetracks can stay in it because, I mean, they're they're big partners in this. And, and, and um, you know, Canterbury and um, Running Aces both have um, – you know, legitimate reasons to want to be involved in this. So yeah, well, that's I guess that's the thing that I'm I'm still confused on is yeah. is if we're gonna if this bill was to be passed and you said and the state said okay we're only gonna allow a, a true sports book to be opened up on on reservations at these casinos and let's just say that you know what let's table this this mobile app for now yeah. let's just see how this goes yeah you're now driving all business and all cars to these reservations and to the casinos that already exist. Mm-hmm. Now, will they have to further build out square footage and say, okay, where are we going to put a sports book? Is there going to be an investment they have to make? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But they're going to make their money back in, in one year. So I, I look at this as like, even if we started at that level. Yep. And built it out. And just built it out and say, all right, fine. You want to take baby steps? We'll take baby steps. We're going to have these brick-and-mortar places inside inside your casinos that already exist. Um, no longer are people going to be driving down to Diamond Joe's. Right. People can just go right to their to their their region, their area's yeah. casino to yeah. place bets, to hang out. I mean, we talk about all the time on on the power trip. Man, wouldn't it be fun when we get to kind of get back to normal to have a power trip uh, day or weekend at Diamond Joe's? Because we're only planning it to, to go to Diamond Joe's. No, it wouldn't be. Have you been there? It's not anything to write home about. I understand that. <laughs> they have a subway, I think. I, I understand that. But it's the it's the only option yes. that we have that's drivable and it's yeah. easy to get to. Now, yeah. instead of doing that, there there would be endless number of, of groups of people that think like us and yes. say – I want to go down to Shakopee and um, let's spend a weekend during March Madness. Let's stay at the hotel. Right. Let's go to the let's go to the sports book. Let's have some fun. Uh, you might only spend a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You know what? But it's the time of your life because you're you're with your buddies. You're having a few drinks, and and you're going to be inevitably you're going to put some money down on blackjack. Correct. You're going to go put some money in some slots. You're going to eat at the restaurants. You're, mm-hmm. you're spending money at the hotels. 
it, to me, it's a. I don't understand why it's not a win-win for everybody. Well, it it is, and I think that that's why my bill pauses it for a year to get people to go back into these. I mean, they're hospitality industries, and they've been devastated as we've already talked about due to COVID. So, and and right before um, COVID hit, Treasure Island did a huge expansion of their outdoor um, auditorium, and I just, I mean, I they had huge concerts there. And this would be helpful. Here's the other thing that I think people haven't thought about. We tend to be an area because we have all professional teams and all the professional leagues, um, men and women. I think there's some of the women leagues we don't have professional teams in yet, but we'll get there. But we're one of the few states that has that. And we're going to get a lot of tournaments. We're going to get a lot of championship games. We have a lot of NCAA tournaments. I'm hoping we get an NFL draft at some point, mm-hmm. get to host one. And so when when that stuff happens, and you can bet on a draft, you can, yeah. You know, sure, you can, yeah, bet, you can bet on anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm thinking, like, all of that would just enhance the consumer's and, and experience here. But also would help with economic development, and and we're gonna get without having this, we are gonna just get pushed aside because they're gonna go to Chicago, they're mm-hmm. gonna go to, uh, they won't go to Iowa. Let's not even go. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Not gonna um, have an NFL go, draft in Des Moines, I don't think. Right, they'll go to they'll go to Pennsylvania, they'll go to other yeah. places that um, that have this. So it's something that they can offer, and they'll get to put it in in those packages that they submit for bidding on on hosting these. We're slated to probably get another Super Bowl in the next 10 years. Uh, I didn't say the Vikings would be in it, but and this bill yeah. cannot force yeah. that. We'll win one but, before yeah. that. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's those types of, of you know, things that, that really do matter, too, and will help will help economically the state. Where, where are the professional teams with sports betting? Oh, you know, they, they're worried about integrity. And when I mean integrity, it means they, they want to make sure that um, – you know, there's requirements about throwing a game, about you can't bet on an injury. You can't, I mean, they're worried about that. I don't think any of the leagues, um, or the teams will come out and either support or oppose anything. Um, they're going to stay out of it because I don't think they want to do that. But they, they just want to be able to um, talk about concerns that they would have and provide feedback. But I don't think you'll see Lester Bagley testifying <laughs> on yeah. anything. But um you know, regardless, it's something to consider. It is worrisome. You do not want to lose the integrity of any professional sports. I mean, that would be terrible. No, I understand that. But again, I, to me, it seems like a really flimsy thing to hold on to. Yeah. And and I understand from Lester Bagley's standpoint, the the Vikings standpoint, um, all the major. Uh, professional teams that are here that you that is that is something that you want to make sure that doesn't happen right integrity right. is is everything right. uh, with even your own personal character right. and, and integrity um but again there's been precedents yeah you know yeah. just just call some of your buddies in other states mm-hmm. that uh, that have professional sports teams look at new jersey you know like they're how do these guys manage um and what policies do they have internally to make right. sure that Hey, there's the here's the punishment that's laid out if you get involved in this. Right, and, and the training and the and and having right. a conversation that your wife, if if you were playing, she wouldn't be able to bet. Um, you know, because there may be a chance that she knows sure. something um, that nobody else does. I mean, and those are the types of things you've got to spend time with your players and with your staff and all of that to make sure. Don't even go there. Just don't don't right. even put yourself in the situation that that would happen. And. Um, that's, that's what it comes down to. And, and, you know, they, you know, they, they also 
have preference to use their official league data, and that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can compete for any of the contracts for the for the um, use of of what folks make their bets determine on the over under the spread the the all the different data um no everybody's going to compete for it uh, yeah. we're not going to give it exclusively to one group you know you're going to compete for it just like any business would yeah to me and this may be just a naive take but to me it seems like these are all things that can be ironed out with a week with a week's worth of meetings yep. if if the vikings or the lynx or the Timberwolves sat down and with their business affairs people and and their their player development people and they and they bridge those two together and said, all right, here's what all the other sports teams are doing in these states. Uh, let's adopt some of those policies. It, it can be done. Yep. And then the second that the guys come in and you actually see them in person now with the Vikings in mid-April and say, okay, here's our 2021 handbook. Here's everything you need to know about about the team. Um, our, the way we're going to do things. And here's a code of conduct when it comes to sports gambling and whatever. It's done. Yep. It's easy. And like, yep. and, and I'm sorry, they're adults. If they choose to do that and they choose to, to suffer the repercussions, then so be it. You know, I, I, I think that we tend to look at these things sometimes and think, ah, it's too much work. Is it? Is it really? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think, think this so. should have been done a long time ago and, and we could be receiving the revenue now and, and providing those consumer protections for people. So. And where do you think, and I know this is this is um, now we're just kind of thinking about things and and um, and probably kind of fantasizing about what you would do in your in your world. We have this this money come in, this gambling revenue come in, and let's just say let's say it's similar to what Iowa's got. Do you already kind of have in your mind? hypothesizing like where you would want that money to go? No, it goes right into the general fund. It just goes right into the yeah, general fund. Yeah, unlike marijuana where they you've seen proposals for um, adult use um, um, legalization of marijuana, they have pockets of money. Like some will go to education, transportation, you know, pot sure. potholes, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in this. It goes all to the general general fund. And I think that's the, the best way because – I don't really like, and and being that I'm the author of the bill, I kind of have to say in it. I don't I don't like buying that. I f- think of that kind of as like buying off <laughs> some votes, and I don't really think that that's um, sure. I guess I can see it that way. Yeah. So like if you say, oh, it's going right to education, then you're kind of like, oh, well, now you're just kind of using education yeah, as yeah, a way. Yeah, and to I don't the, like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think going it into the general fund and letting us all um, deal with it that way is is good. And and we actually, and, and I'm going to say this for the record, this is a Democrat proposing this. It's going to be the lowest tax rate across all those that have legalized it, it'd be 6% for on-site. Um, and that would be what the racetracks and, and the casinos would have to um, pay. And it's 8% for remote when that kicks in. And we're still below, um, our on-site would be below Iowa and both on-site and remote would be below um, South Dakota. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I, I mean, like we're the not, sound of that. Yeah. I mean, we're not gonna, um, it's, it's not a money maker. You don't use it to balance your budget. Um, but you will make some off of it. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing. I, f- I feel like it's a service that you're providing that people are already doing it. Like yeah. we, we've already covered this. It's people are doing it on the black market anyway. People do it for fun at what, you know, your, your company fantasy right. football league, your March madness stuff. Not that they wouldn't still do that, right. but this is already something people are doing. Let's just as a state kind of take advantage of that and say like, hey, here's 
here's almost like a free hundred million dollars. Right. Here's another analogy. So it hasn't been that long where Minnesota was collecting sales tax on online purchases. You know, that just kicked in in the last few years. Yeah. It's the same thing. We knew that there was money out there. We knew we were level the playing field if we enacted yeah. the sales tax on online and it would level the playing field with the small mom, pa brick and, brick and mortar stores. And yeah. uh, we know this is happening. So, you know, yeah. let's let's grab it. Okay, so let's take something that you just said a few minutes ago mm-hmm. too. Uh, cannabis, yeah. marijuana. Mm-hmm. We we in the state of Minnesota already allow medical cannabis, although we don't sell the flower, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole other issue. And I, and I hope that gets changed as well. Even I'm a from, co-author of the bill that from, allows for it. From a medical side. Yep. But the, the overall legalization of marijuana mm-hmm. in the state, where are we at with that? Uh, Paul Gazelka hates it. <laughs> and so uh, the Senate won't do it. Um, and it's unfortunate. Uh, we will literally have to flip the Senate to be able to do it. Uh, I know that if my good friend Ryan Winkler was here, who is a representative in the House that's carrying it, um, was in here, he would. he's never going to give up and he shouldn't. Um, we won't give up the in, in the Senate as far as those that support it. Um, but in the House, it's bipartisan. Maybe that will now. They actually, in the past week, have received um, some bipartisan votes on it. So let's hope that that might convince um, some in the Senate to to switch uh, and and vote for it. Um, it needs to happen. It needs to. Happen. We need to stop criminalizing this, um, and we need to um, control it in a way that um, you know on the black market where people do buy marijuana. You don't know what's in it. It is not pure. Correct. It is it is very risky to do that. Um, for those folks that have been in a state that has a dispensary, um, it is amazing experience going in there to see all the um, the options, but also the um, process that like Denver, if you've been in a, in a um, dispensary that's in Denver, which are like every third storefront is, mm-hmm. a, is a dispensary there. Um, you know, they, they do it in a manner um, that is just like going to a regular store. Uh, again, you don't have to use this if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, it will lower the price and help stabilize the medical marijuana side of it as well. It's very pricey. Um, one of the reasons why I support um, raw flour for medical marijuana and, and full disclosure, Leafline Labs is in my district. Um, they're a great business there, uh, employ a lot of people. And, um, you know, the CEO has said doing the vaping and doing the oil is way more expensive. And the demand in from my customers is raw flour. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, look, I don't I don't run a business like that. And if you're telling me that it's cheaper and better and your customers are demanding it, then let's do it. And so um, Senator Mark Horan and myself have a bill, uh, and it's passing through the process. It had it passed out of Health and Human Services this week. Um, so hopefully we can we can get that. But I've spent a lot of time on industrial hemp uh, in CBD legislation. I have one of the largest uh, Strophus Farms, Minnesota um, hemp farms, uh, is in my district. Uh, John Strophus is amazing and um, spent a lot of time trying to make sure we have correct labeling and proper um, testing for CBD oil and CBD products so that you're not getting like maple syrup <laughs> when, right. when you're trying to buy a bottle of this. Um, and and we've, we've gotten some really good legislation through. Um, but I, I'm telling you, there is no reason we shouldn't pass raw flour for medical marijuana purposes. And um, there's no reason why we shouldn't legalize um, adult use uh, 
recreation uh, uh, cannabis. Yeah, and I've been very open about this too. I'm I'm registered with the state for the medical cannabis program. I use the medical grade CBD, um, and I found amazing benefits from it. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, I, I personally I can't handle THC that much. You know, I <laughs> and I I haven't smoked that much weed in my life. And even and every time I do, I'm just like I don't know why this is fun because I don't feel like doing jack squat. <laughs> like I'm yeah. not having a good time. I kind of just want to go take a nap. Right. Um, so it never really makes me feel good. So I've kind of just I lean more towards the the pure CBD stuff. But um, you know, even from the place that I go to, I know that the the process to extract the oils and and all that stuff for even the CBD products um, are so much more expensive. If we just could use the raw flour for the the people that do want it, um, it would save money to the consumer. Correct. And and the biggest thing, and I always try to tell people, like it's again, it's just another option for pain management or for for inflammation ma- management mm-hmm. that you don't have to rely on on opioids, right. which which are addictive. Yep. And there have been so many research studies saying that the cannabinoids that are in marijuana, it's not addictive. Mm-hmm. Now, you may have, it may be a habit for you to wake up in the morning and, and you know, uh, wake and bake, mm-hmm. uh, but that's more of a personal habit than it is an addiction. Correct. Um, we mechanically and biologically do not have uh, an addictive receptor in our body that says we have to have that or we Right, are, like we caffeine cannot. or alcohol. Exactly. Yeah, I... Um, and you cannot overdose on it either. No. We have protections in our brainstem that allows us that, like, we can smoke as much weed as you want. You're not going to die from no. it. You might sleep a long time. Long time. Long <laughs> you time, You might sleep yeah. a long time. That's... So, and, and here I am, an, an idiot former football player that knows that. Yeah. Why, why do the people within this, the, the state legislatures not not look at it from that standpoint? Do they just see the word marijuana or cannabis and say, no? Yeah. It's, no, we're yeah. not doing it. Yeah. It's, you know, the definition of religious freedom, if you will, is that I don't I'll agree with it. So I'm not going to do it. Not I don't agree with it. So you, Ben, can't do it. Right. And and I, there's some people I work with that don't understand that. <laughs> so, right. um, no, they they just they think everything's, you know, gone to hell with um, states that have legalized it and um, it's been detrimental to people and it's they don't believe the science that says um, it can help wean people off of opioids. They don't believe any of that. So, I mean, I had a Liz Frank and I know as a former football player, you know what that is, a Liz Frank injury on my foot. Um, I severed my ligament, broke bones. Um, I've had three surgeries on it. It was utterly painful. Um, and I use... Um, um, the CBD oil and the gummies uh, from uh, Strophus's farm, and it is amazing. I mean, I literally would have to take steps, like 10, 15 steps, just to wake my foot up in the morning. And now that I take it every night before I go to bed, I wake up pain-free, inflammation's gone. Um, that is exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, and and it's amazing, and it works, and I just think, again, it's going to be one of these things that the market is going to to drive and to force us to, to legalize. Well, I think even from the, the medical side, the thing that kind of drives me crazy now that I'm on the inside and kind of know how, how it works, um, the state doesn't really allow for any promotional stuff. I mean, right. we, we they, they can't even, you know, Vireo and Leafline can't even really promote that we're here, that they're here Correct. in the state and like where to go to get help. And I think that has to change yep. too. Like yep. 
not only are we fighting this uphill battle to get the flour available to the con- the consumer, but let the people in the state know that they actually exist and where to go. Yep. It's it's like the state's treating it as a legalized black market. Yep. It's like, oh, we're going to allow this. We're going to allow you two companies yep. to operate, but yet we're not going to tell anybody because can. because we just kind of uh, we just don't really know yet. And like. Why Why just, approach it that way? Just send those quarterly sales taxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's it's spot on. And, you know, we are trying in the – when you look at the criminal justice side of it, Ben, you, you, we're trying to not criminalize people um, for drug use because you shouldn't. They're not criminals. They, they, you know, it's an addiction. It's a, it's a health issue. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and some of it's mental health issues, uh, and, and get them the help that they need. Don't throw them in jail. And, and this helps with that too, to expunge, to decriminalize. I mean, we got to do all of that. It's so expensive to have people, you know, in our correctional facility and, and on paper and, Again, we could do a whole segment on that as well. But it, there's just certain things like that that we also need to address. And this bill does that. And I hope, you know, the the point of me coming on your podcast with your audience is that both of these things are really um, going to, to come by people politely, respectfully contacting their legislators and Governor Walls. Um, which, by the way, you know, I, he's supportive of it. He's trying to help push that through with legalization of marijuana. And I think that um, that's the important thing. This is going to this is going to be a populist thing. And we really need people um, to contact their legislators and say, hey, this is important to me. This makes sense. Um, you know, this is this is what we need to do. And this is a direction that Minnesota should go in and, and you should contact them. You can go to the um House.mn, Senate.mn, and you can search, you know, right on there who your legislator is, contact them and and just be very polite about it and respectful and let them know how you feel, because that's how we're going to change minds. Yeah. And I the last thing I'll say about the the medical cannabis world and even just cannabis overall, marijuana overall, to me, I think it's a perception problem. And, um, you know, there was uh, a couple years ago, there was a a little bit of a small gathering uh, out in the state capitol for people that were supporting it. And unfortunately, um, the people that were out there were your stereotypical uh, potheads. You know, (laughs) they 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 had long dreads. They looked a little bit homeless. They they looked like they just wanted to sit on the couch. And and I commend them and applaud them for going out there to to protest or, or to show support. But at the same time, I think that's the perception that people have in their right. minds. And I think that's what needs to change. Yes. You know, the people um, that oppose it, you know, in every government, guaranteed those are the same hypocrites that are smoking it at times or going to someone's party and like, hey, I'll take a I'll take a bump of that. Like yeah. pass that around, yeah. you know, and, and so it's. The perception needs to change that when it comes to cannabis, it's the benefits that um, there are children that actually need that could use it. Mm-hmm. Um, people with Parkinson's, mm-hmm. people with ALS. Um, the you know, there's all sorts of health issues that people right. um, could find relief from. It's it's not your Rastafarian lazy guy that wants to sit on the couch and smoke all day. It's the mom and dad. It's the grandparent. It's children that are in hospitals that could use cannabis as well. That's really the image that you need to put in your mind about who's going to benefit from this. Well, and it's going to eliminate a lot of the black market, right? And and the black market doesn't have 
pure marijuana. It's mixed with fentanyl, oh, yeah. carfentanil. Got. I mean, yeah. you don't you don't know what you're getting if you're going to use it. So being in in a regulated system is better and safer because yeah. it's heartbreaking what has happened to families um, when people buy product off the street and you don't know what's in it. Well, and and my guess is, and I don't know this for sure, but my guess is, you know, they they want to say it's a gateway drug. Well, my guess is, well, the reason it becomes a gateway drug is because your drug dealer is not just selling marijuana. Correct. Your drug dealer may get you to say, hey, man, I, I can get you some weed. You might be a high school junior or senior. You're like, hey, man, I can get you some weed. Cool. A year or two later, you're like, he's like, hey, man, I got some X. I got this. I got mm-hmm. this. You want to try this? All of a sudden now, because it's accessible with your drug dealer, you may try it and go down the wrong path. That's because it's done behind the scenes. That's that's because it's done. You're looking over your shoulder in some back alley and and you're having to do it on the black market. If it's widely accessible and you can just go to a dispensary, like the, the dispensary is not selling Coke, crack. Right. Uh, they're just selling marijuana. Correct. You don't have to feel like you're looking over your shoulder. You can right. feel relaxed about it and be like – and educated about it. Correct. You know, <laughs> you go into these facilities right now and both companies are – so knowledgeable on what, hey, what, what's your ailment? What do you need? Oh, try this product instead of this product. And they're so smart about it. Yep. Like it really it really is like a pharmaceutical approach to it. Yep, yep. In a, in a business approach, a regulated approach. Yeah. Again, just like with sports wagering, you're putting consumer protections around it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank your brother <laughs> for, for the suggestion. And thank you for, for having me. This is this has been fun and, and just I'm very excited for your podcast and yeah, best no, of luck with it. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope to highlight more people like you from the state. And um, now you mentioned where people can find just their, their local Correct. legislatures and people. You specifically, yep. do you ha- do you have that website or you have an email or yep. something in you mind? Can, you can email me at sen, which is the abbreviation for senator, dot Carla, and that's with a K, dot Bigum at senate, dot MN. And also, you know, phones still work, and that's 651-297-8060. Well, thank you so much, Senator. It's been it's been awesome, and and thank you all for listening. Again, please, uh, please like, subscribe to this podcast on iHeart, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. I always say be gentle with your feedback. I love it. I need it. But I am thin-skinned at times. It depends on how I wake up that day and when I read the feedback, uh, whether or not uh, I like it. But no, it's all it's all been appreciated. I want to thank Douglas and Todd Bourbon. It's uh, it's Minnesota grown. It's uh, it's from Minnesota. It's a gold medal winning bourbon made right here uh, in Douglas and Todd counties of Osakis, bottled in Princeton uh, and sold nationwide. I also want to thank Wexford Harbor Insurance, uh, Pat Kelly and his staff, have uh, they're a wholesale broker with over 40 different companies to shop from to find your best needs and your value for your you and your family. That's Wexford Harbor H A R B O U R dot com. Use slash unrestricted to go right to that landing page. So thank you everyone for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.